This is Plan B, Episode 6, for May 14th, 2013. Welcome to Plan B, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice, shop talk for the expert, and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is my co-host, Drew. Hello. Hey, man. Welcome to episode six. Thanks. Big show this week, Drew. Huge show this oh, week. Oh, I know. So last week, after we talked about mining, we thought we should follow up with an episode on how to spend your coins. And we're going to cover everything from some totally awesome and legit ways to do it to some means of various legitimacy, uh, but uh, perhaps of no less validity. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we record this episode, the chat room's kind of all fired up because there's some big news breaking right now that could severely affect the price of Bitcoin as we go forward. So we're going to talk about that as well as a few other things. But Drew and I have decided that we would start with the feedback every episode as a way to sort of warm up, you know, kind of break it in a little bit because... We start, we start on the pre-show. We, we do Plan B Live at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific over at JB Live TV, which is... Wait, 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Yeah, 2 p.m. Pacific. Sometimes we start a little earlier, though. Like today, we start a little earlier. So usually if you show up about, about 4 p.m. Eastern or so on the live stream, you'll catch the pre-show. And then we thought, you know, so we warm up that way. But we thought the best way to once we get in the show was to do the feedback. So, Drew, how about I start with a voicemail? You ready? You ready for that? Yeah, bring it on. All right, put your answer caps on. Here comes uh, our first question. Answer cap, you like that? And it's from Andrew. Hi, Chris and Drew. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I have what might be a very naive or zany question. It's all what one happens channel. when quantum computing becomes a little bit more mainstream? Is that going to interrupt the cryptography of Bitcoin? I know virtually nothing about quantum computing or about cryptography, but my understanding is quantum computing can tear through a lot of modern cryptographic techniques. Just sort of wondering. Thanks, and keep up the great show, guys. Wow, were you able to hear that? It was all in one channel. Yeah, I, I was good. Yeah, I heard it. Okay, good. So, yeah, what do you think, Drew? you think quantum computing is going to change the game for Bitcoin? I would think so, if we see it at some point in time. I mean, because, I mean, you're basically, you're, you're, the ability to make computations is way, 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 way faster with quantum computing, right? Right. So you can hash way, way, way more. So I, I would think that eventually the difficulty would be so high, but there's only a limited number of of uh, of digits in the in the in the difficulty that you're trying to achieve because you're trying to you're trying to get a hash value that is less than or equal to the target value for the difficulty. Well, let me float this past you, sir. Could it maybe not be cryptocurrencies that bring quantum computing to the masses? I mean, look at the uh, mm-hmm. one of the stories we're going to get to is the current overall computational power of the Bitcoin network and uh, the development now of ASICs. And uh, I think it would be probably a mistake to consider ASICs the end of Bitcoin, you know, uh, mining. It's going to be the beginning of a new type of Bitcoin mining. And uh, that's going to just that technology is going to continue to evolve and and offer new features and have new abilities. So Bitcoin's going pick Bitcoin kind of 
initiates this arm race in a sense. True, yeah. It may be the Bitcoin miners that bring quantum computing to us in some actual purchasable form. Right, yeah, I agree. But it's a good question, Andrew. Thank you for calling to our uh, Plan B phone number, which we have in the show notes. Uh, All right, now this next question. You you know, I thought this was a good question because I read a story just this weekend about uh, Wired. You know, Wired has uh, one of these... um, um, Butterfly Labs uh, mm-hmm. singles, or I, can't, I think they have what are, they have like the one of the five giga giga hash units. Yeah. And do you know what they're doing with the coins that they're mining? Which, by the way, they have the thing running twenty four seven. They're even freaking live streaming it. Do you know what they're doing with those coins, Drew? No, I had not seen. Take a guess. Take a guess. What Wired has decided to do with the fair amount of coins that little five giga hash units chump just chewing out. Just if you were gonna guess, what would Wired do with those? Buy some drugs on Silk Road. <laughs> Oh, maybe. maybe. That wouldn't maybe. be bad. No, they are just tossing them away. No, not go- oh, nope, maybe. not going to charity. They are throwing them away. They're just going to delete the wallet file. What? Yep, uh, for journalistic purposes. I mean, it's, you know, that's essentially they're burning money. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. It's So, you know, that's why when, when uh, Dimitri's uh, email came in here, uh, it kind of made me think, like, you know, because the, oh, the whole Wired piece, I kind of fit in with the timing. It says, uh, Chris and Drew, loving the show. Seems like every week, uh, BTC and LTC is gathering more and more interest. We're living in very exciting times indeed. I have many queries, but for this message, I want to ask what seems to be a rather fundamental issue for Bitcoin. As we know, there can only be a finite number of Bitcoins. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a little bit of a cold. And these uh, BTCs are held in wallets by an individual owner or a third party on behalf of the owner, such as an online wallet. Last week's show, there was a classic example of a listener trying to crack a zip folder containing five Bitcoins. I think it was a RAR, actually. Uh, Let's say he never manages to crack it. These five Bitcoins remain out of the reach, or quote-unquote inactive, for eternity. And unlike cash money, you can't simply print replacements. What I'm struggling to wrap my head around is... How can we know how many active BTCs there are in circulation? And what does that mean for the future as more people lose their Bitcoins? Similarly, let's say that the electromagnetic pulse that, uh, you know, the aliens bring fire fries all of the hard drives in America. Does the value of Bitcoin suddenly rock skyrocket because all of these coins have been lost and are no longer in circulation? How can we value a Bitcoin if we can never know how many Bitcoins are active? I appreciate there is no answer to this, but I think a very interesting debate could be had, and I'd be curious to have to hear what you chaps have to think on the matter. Look forward to next week's show. Thanks, Dimitri. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I mean, so with I this, there's was, no real way to know, right? So here I you mean, have Wired. So what is Wired essentially doing when they throw away these bitcoins? They're increasing the value of the uh, bitcoins that are currently in the supply. Exactly. Exactly. And I think sometimes we also lose sight of how divisible Bitcoins are. So right. we, we do kind of have compensation for that. But this is this is a really great question. And it's a problem because Bitcoins are, well, you know, people lose cash and coins all the freaking time. But like he points out, they just make more, right? Where that's right. not going to happen in Bitcoin. And so in, in a thousand years from now, well, that might be a problem, right? Oh, yeah, it would. So the question will be is either is is this supplemented by alternative coins? And is that maybe one of the benefits to alternative coins? Or is this 
is is this almost going to in the in like you know years down the road if with Bitcoin reach mask adoption does it almost just have to work with an online wallet? You almost have to have a Bitcoin bank, and maybe you could have lots of them, you know. So maybe it wouldn't be one special interest, but you just almost can. You, can you trust average consumers with the security issues that they need to be worried about? I keep reading threads on on forums about people who get their uh, their wallet accounts, their wallets or their online accounts emptied because of malware or or something like that. One I just read one uh, yesterday about a guy who got suckered into doing remote tech support. And the Redmore tech support guy brought up his Bitcoin miner while it was there and just transferred the Bitcoins out. Oh. Yeah. Was he watching this happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's, That's a good sick. question. But, um, you know, it's it's um, it, it's it's a little more than I think the average user. Now, a lot of the people probably listening to this show are not don't qualify as that. But that's an issue, too, that Bitcoin is going to have. And it, you you have to figure that this is probably at some point in the long run going to be extract abstracted away from the user at some level right yeah yeah i mean yeah the client you know isn't exactly the most user-friendly thing right even neither are these long number strings and you know having to worry about the wallet and i think i think well i think there'll be a i would envision a period in time dimitri when uh you know we'll think it was quaint that just everybody would download the blockchain i think it's going to be something you can still do but it's going to be kind of unusual to do it unless maybe right. you're hosting an application that needs to refer to the blockchain or something like that. I think a lot of this stuff is going to kind of smooth over these rough edges where coins can be lost and things like that. Not that it's not going to happen, but when you consider the divisible factor of Bitcoin and potentially how altcoins can relieve pressure in this area, it might not be a major issue. Yeah, and and like you were saying, if people migrate more to, to third-party holders for their wallets, then there's a little bit better security. So... Maybe the the lost number of bitcoins will stabilize at least, you know, will lose less will be lost over time as people transition right. to that perhaps. Right, right, yep, yeah, and and that'll kind of correspond with uh, you know as we just continue to make more and more. Now, uh, Drew Kai, who's in the chat room right now, he wrote in. Do you want to read his email? Yeah, he says, uh, "Hi, Chris and Drew. First of all, big fan and love the show. I was wondering what the difference is between Bitcoin shares, share payments for ex- uh, for example, paper share and proportional. Also, Chris." What Bitcoin pool you uh, did you use before you changed to Litecoin? Thanks for the great show, and I'm looking forward to future episodes, says Kai. Nice. So, I mean, uh, the, there's there's a couple different war types that that are that you can choose. Like some pools have, you know, I don't know if, if multiple pools have multiple different war types, but like uh, I think we we mine LTC is proportional. So, proportional basically is. Um, where if if your pool finds a block, then the number of shares that you have gets rewarded in proportion, or the proportion of shares that you have is rewarded based upon all the other shares that everybody else submitted during that time. And uh, the paper share is basically like a fixed amount that's decided, um, bef- you know, before you actually find a block that um, is distributed to people who mine. So you you basically get like a guaranteed return if you're doing paper share, and proportional is based. You get the you get your funds based upon how much you contribute to finding each block, essentially. Right, and so what you kind of have to look at, I suppose, in that is the overall hash rate and how, where you fit in the mix with everybody else. Right, if you're doing proportional and, and the pool that you're mining on has a very, very low hash rate, there's a low probability that you're going to find any blocks. So if you're not being rewarded for making attempts like you would with paper share or, or similar things, then uh, proportional would be kind of a, a, a risky way to go. Mm. You know, I don't remember, uh, so I want to say it was BTC 
Uh, no, it was uh, something. Oh, I can't. Deep bit. Deep bit. Deep bit. Yeah, I did that too back in the day. Deep bit, and then also, which is now being shut down. I did the. There was a. There was a sub. Uh, Mount Red. There was a. Uh, the 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 early, early Bitcoin subreddit stuff. Way different. It seemed like maybe a completely different community than it is today. I'm not sure. Um. Uh. They started a mining pool, and I I got excited. So I I but I did some of my mining there, and I did some of mine at Deep Bit, and then of course. I would switch between the two if one was down and so on and so forth. Um, and they, you know, one of the nice things about both of them is I believe they just allowed you to choose the uh, sh- the uh, payment share method, which was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. The thing that was really cool about DeepBit was that it started to tie in with a lot of neat third-party monitoring services where they would like basically Google Analytics my uh, my all of my mining information and give me graphs and alert me if I'm below a certain threshold for a certain amount of time. And it was really getting slick. <laughs> That's I, can, cool. I can only imagine what they can do now. Um, all right. So there you go. So uh, those are the emails there. You can email us plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com. We uh, got a whole bunch of great emails this week. Uh, a, a bunch of you guys on uh, your thoughts on uh, Litecoin on ASICs. Or forgive me, hard time for calling him ASCII's accidentally a couple times last week. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, oh, I, my I God. deserve it. You know what? I can't help my dumb mouth sometimes. I deserve it. Uh, and uh, so a lot of thoughts on that, which is so funny is because we got emails from people like, dude, Litecoins and ASICs, here's the math. It can never happen. It'll never work. It's memory this, memory that. And then we got emails from people like, dude, there's just a next generation around the corner of, a- of ASICs that are going to work fine with Litecoin. It's going to happen. So it was kind of funny. People are all over the board on that. <laughs> We'll give that some time, but if you want to email us, plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com. That's the email address, or hit the contact link at the top of our website, or you can call the show one three fifty two fifty eight plan b You can text us or call us and leave us a voicemail. We'll have another voicemail uh, later on in the show. And uh, we love getting your emails, all kinds of Bitcoin-related subjects. We, we also have a couple of links we want to pass along that kind of answer some of the questions that come into the inbox Fairly frequently, we're going to call it in the show notes. Go look for the frequently noobed links. Uh, first one Drew found is how it's an infograph of how uh, Bitcoin transactions work. And man, at first it was like, geez, this is really complicated, but it's actually yeah. it's really straightforward to follow. It starts it's very with, clear. Yeah. yeah, it starts with you and works to the to the end when the transactions verified and explains what the verification process is and all of that. So that's probably a good one to to look at, and also just a good one to hand out to folks if they've asked you. Another one. This is really cool is Khan Academy has opened up like an eight part, I think, or seven part series on Bitcoin from what is it to an overview to uh, all through the, you know, uh, the blockchain, everything it's, it's in here and uh, they got some really good stuff. So if you feel like there's some holes in your Bitcoin fundamentals, that Khan Academy series is probably something worth checking out, get you started in the right direction at least. And, yeah, they uh, got videos. Yeah, they got they got some good videos with uh, voiceovers and stuff like that. And I want to say a special thank you to everybody who's given us a rating in the iTunes store. We once again made it into the new and upcoming section of the main store, and I really, really appreciate that. If you haven't yet had a chance, that's one way you can really help support the show is go into iTunes and uh, rate and comment on the Plan B show. That The reason why we ask for that is because by doing that, that's what helps the iTunes systems rank us higher so then other people find the show, helps us spread the word about Bitcoin and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I really want um, Apple to recognize Bitcoin too because uh, they are currently preventing certain functionality on uh, iOS apps 
like uh, the blockchain app can no longer right. do the QR send. Uh, the uh, gift app can't do Bitcoin purchases. There's a lot of things that they're blocking that I think of Apple. I don't. I just think it's because they don't know enough about it. And if we can help sort of spread the word in that ecosystem, I think that could do good for Bitcoin overall. So please go vote for our show and leave a comment and uh, help us keep it at the top. Because, um, you know, as long as we stay there, well, people keep finding us. All right, Mr. Drew. We have a couple of discussion pieces this week. And one oh, of them yeah. could be some. I, one of them, I'm not quite sure. I, uh, I maybe I'm a little bit of a pessimist because I thought I was going to crash the price. And here we are. The price is going up <laughs> since the show started. Uh, but the first one was just kind of funny. I don't really think it means much of anything. But uh, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and uh, uh, Bankshire Halfway's uh, Charlie Munger, uh, who is you know a big wig, were all visiting Fox Business, and uh, the question of Bitcoin came up. Or your Bitcoin, right? We, we need to talk about Bitcoin in a minute. I can't wait to hear what Charlie Munger has to say about Neither this. Let's I. bring in Charlie Munger, the vice chair of Berkshire Hathaway. Bill's going to move over so you can come sit in. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. I, I just had to get your thought on Bitcoin, this, this, this digital currency that's out there that people say, oh, it might be the next big thing. What do you think? I think it's rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> Put him down as undecided. <laughs> do you understand what they're trying to do with it? No, but I regard it as deeply flaky. Deeply flaky. Okay, this is the Bill, guy. what do you think? Uh, I think it's a technical tour de force, but that's an area where governments are going to maintain a, a dominant role. Mm -hmm. Bill? Warren? I think either Charlie or Bill is right. <laughs> either one of those guys. Yeah, sorry about the one channel. I was clipping this week on Linux, and um, that's what I get. <laughs> oh. I, I got mono for some reason. I don't know why, because I had it set to stereo. So Bill Gates says it's a technological tour de force, and uh, Warren Buffett says that uh, either Munger or Gates is right, but he hasn't made up his mind yet. I just wanted to play it. Just the fact that it's even on Bill Gates' uh, radar, I thought, was, uh, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, and at least he kind of likes the idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, of course, he would be the, as a geek there. Um, yeah. All right, here's a little good news that might uh, bring a little spring in everybody's Bitcoin step. Uh, Liberty City Ventures has launched a $15 million fund to invest in Bitcoin startups. Uh, they are New York City-based uh, Liberty City Ventures. They're announcing the Digital Currency Fund, which is a $15 million Bitcoin commitment and other digital currency startups. Along with this, they're also opening a Manhattan office space where they will let Bitcoin entrepreneurs come and work and sort of incubate them there. I mean, more more money, more good. It's uh, better. I mean, it the, sounds um, good. I think this is, I mean, $50 million is no short change at all. And the other thing that's kind of big about this is the people behind it. There's some good names in here, which I think is absolutely excellent. Uh, so, um you know, I, I, you could have. We could be looking at the summer of Bitcoin with something like this. I might sound like a little bit like hyperbole, but when you think about fifteen million dollars injected into the Bitcoin economy, also earlier in the week, uh, Coin Lab, or I'm sorry, Coinbase landed five million dollars of uh, funding. So th there's another there's another example of uh, some money coming into the Bitcoin um, new ecosystem, and. On top of that, a VC fund uh, has announced that they'll be pumping $50,000 into seven Bitcoin startups. The latest buzz comes the way of the Bitcoin Boost Fund, which is a new Silicon Valley fund that announced on Tuesday that they're going to be uh, 
dishing out $50,000. All the startups will be graduates of the Boost VC, which is an accelerator program that seeks to mentor would-be Bitcoin entrepreneurs. Accelerator, created earlier this year, is run by Adam Draper, who describes himself as a fourth-generation VC and is hosting a hackathon at the Bitcoin Future Payments Conference in San Jose this week, which uh, we should probably, we'll probably have a lot of stories from that conference uh, next week. Yep, I would expect so. So there you go. There's there's uh, two new VC funds announced this week that'll be pumping money um, into uh, into uh, the Bitcoin uh, economy. Yeah, we should be seeing some cool stuff in the next you know year or two. Yeah, you know all this stuff is infrastructure stuff. That's what Which all is, these guys because because they, they you know that's those are the people that are the toll booths on the on the freeway of Bitcoin, right? Yep, yep. That's where the, that's where a lot of people are going to make their money initially, and. Uh, I think the people that are behind uh, some of these, some of these uh, investments are uh, some big names. So these people have really good track records, and I think those are bringing some credibility as well. Yep. Now another big name that I don't know about the credibility that he brings uh, is Max <laughs> Kaiser, and uh, he just had another episode of the Kaiser Report. That's his uh, show that he does with Stacy Herbert on the RT Network. And uh, they were bringing up the discussion of uh, Scotland needing an independent currency. And Max was arguing that Bitcoin will force the banking system to reinvent itself or die. And they got on the topic of like the, um, some of these countries maybe creating their own virtual currencies. Didn't we just have one last a story last week about Canada wanting to make a, their own virtual currency? Yep, they are. I think they're leading the effort in terms of, of uh, you know, first world nations that are seeking that uh, kind of thing out. And I guess maybe Scotland's kicking it around now. Well, uh, so Stacey Herbert puts the question to Max. Max, what do you think is going to happen if these uh, if these countries start printing their own virtual currencies? And Max answers. Bitcoin is a virgin currency that will remain forever virginal. The Bank of England's pound sterling is an old hag that will remain always and forever a worthless, fiat, nonsensical trollop. And they're not going to compete with Bitcoin. These banks will not compete. They'll, they will not introduce anything near Bitcoin. Just like there was only one Joan of Arc, there was only one Virgin Mary, there was only one Allah. There can be only one Bitcoin, and it rules supreme. Oh, only one Bitcoin. Now, of course, Max likes to... Uh Got a little over the top there, but uh, I think he's probably right. There's so much momentum now behind Bitcoin that, yeah, these guys can create their own currency, but uh, just like they already have their own currencies, there's going to be a non-government controlled currency that'll remain in use. And maybe people just interchange between the two, but you're not going to get rid of Bitcoin that way. And I just think with the age of the internet, the idea of having uh, digital coins that are tied specifically to a, a, you know, a piece of dirt with a, with a random, you know, with a, an arbitrary border, I I think the cool thing about Bitcoin is that, you know, it doesn't, there, there is no state, there is, there is no nation where it's primarily used. If Bitcoin can gain prominence across everything, then well, I, I don't see the benefit of having certain currencies in specific locations. I mean, great for, for banks if they were to issue these kind of things or governments because they can track right. money going everywhere and really get the true cashless society they're looking for without having a, you know, a third party like Visa or whatever. To, and it solves the transfers problem. You know, being able to transfer funds between, uh, you know, over wide distances, it, it uh, you know, it solves that problem as well. Yeah. And, and like in the uh, um, uh, Kashmir Hills article, one of her articles recently, she had spoken about how um, people from foreign countries had can't come to San Francisco and were paying for goods over in San Francisco or whatever. 
and you don't have to do any kind of currency conversion. You don't have to go through any of those steps, you know? So, I mean, right. Yeah. That's yeah, a good thing. That is a very good thing. Um, I just don't see the point of having a government issue digital currency. I guess it'd be, you know, better than cash or a credit card. Maybe it could be, but I, I just don't see the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. I'm sure they'll try to do something. I, I just wanted to cover one story. A little, it's one part FUD busting, but also one part kind of just navel gazing a little bit. Uh, the headline goes as this Bitcoin network speed eight times faster than the top 500 com- supercomputers. Combined. Combined. (laughs) (laughs) And if you said that and you're like, what is Bitcoin? The Bitcoin network is what? Yeah, that's what this is how it goes. Um, The Bitcoin network hash rate estimate on BitcoinWatch.com has passed one exaflops, a thousand petaflops this week, over eight times the combined speed of the top 500 supercomputers. However, before everybody gets too excited, experts will be quick to point out the estimate is flawed. Since there are no flops actually used in Bitcoin mining, flop stands for floating point operations per second, and it's frequently used as a standard to measure computer speed. Bitcoin mining uses integer calculations and almost no floating point operations, so converting Bitcoin network speed to this standard is somewhat clumsy. So it's a little bit of a headline grabber. What they actually do is they look at the GPUs that are being used and say, well, if these GPUs were being used as supercomputers... They would have this speed. And the problem with that is, is when ASICs enter the scene. They muddy it up a little bit. Right, because they can't be used for anything else, yet they provide awesome computing power. But you can't use this same fuzzy math. Right. So it's not really, but it, it does, what it does tell us is the Bitcoin computing network is absolutely monstrously huge. And if you want to get some good stats, go over to blockchain.info and they have uh, all that kind of stuff sort of summed up and and, uh, ready there that you can watch. But uh, Drew, I want to get to what might be either a, a huge story or a complete non-story. I can't really tell yet because it it's absolutely completely late breaking. Uh, according to Dwala, the Department of Homeland Security has potentially seized a account that Mt. Gox uses here in the United States for payment transfers. Now we don't know if this at this point only affects Dwala or if this affects anybody that uses this account. Uh, BeatBeat has one of the first early stories. This was breaking as we were going on air today, so there's really nobody else covering at this point. But uh, according to the BeatBeat article, and uh, they they reached out to Dwala, and Dwala confirmed this, the Department of Homeland Security appears to have shut down the ability to use Dwala uh, to withdraw and deposit money into Mt. Cox. A Dwala representative confirmed the move to BeatBeat. Chris Cognier, the co-founder of OKCupid, posted a screenshot of an email he received from Dewalla stating that due to recent orders of the Department of Homeland Security, Dewalla cannot complete the bank transfer. Again, due to an order from the Department of Homeland Security. And oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, beta beat, not beat beat. That's me reading from across the room. What are you doing? I know. Uh, that's bad news, man. Yeah. It seems like, like I, I, I can't tell either what's going to happen, but well, when, I, the, when before it even before it even really became news, uh, the price immediately dropped from almost about one nineteen to about one twelve or something like that. Now it's rebounded to one fifteen, but uh, even if people don't panic, which would be kind of remarkable, but awesome. But even if people don't panic, we're going to have uh, a liquidity problem eventually because we're going to the funds are going to dry up. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, we can't, we won't really see, because if money's not going into Mt. Gox, then nobody's being able to purchase coins. But yeah, you remember Gox was claiming that they were getting 20 million in on a good day. 
that would be a huge drop from 20 to zero. Well, of course, well, not, you know, you that's gotta, not for US specific. Yeah, for the entire maybe. world. Maybe. Okay, so true. You, yes. But you do have to wonder, like, how much of that was US? And did that just put them on the radar? And and, and I mean, if it's, if it's Department of Homeland Security, the first thing that starts coming to my mind is money laundering. Yep. Because otherwise it would be, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know why otherwise it's the DHS. I, I don't know much about it, but that seems like potentially a money laundering issue. And I think they're looking at this going with that amount of money. This, this must be, this must be money laundering. And you know, maybe, maybe a small percentage of it is. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I mean, yeah. but I, you know, it's just a, I don't know. I think they're getting a little, I think governments are getting a little worried about the whole Bitcoin thing. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, so we'll see what happens. And uh, of course, if there's many major developments between now and next week on the story, we'll give you an update. But uh, I say it's time we deliver on our promise for this week's premise, and that is spending those coins. Instead of panic selling your coins because Dewal has been shut down, <laughs> panic buy something. Put some, oh, yeah. uh, put those coins back out into the uh, economy. Share the wealth. And uh, to kick this off, we chatted with Kashmir Hill. Now, you guys might remember she last week just wrapped up a uh, Forbes series of articles where she, for seven days, lived on Bitcoin. And, and by the end... There were some high points and some low points, including having to move out of her apartment. And uh, But she did it. She bought and lived everything she needed for a week, only using Bitcoin. And we brought her on the show and chatted with her. It was my editor that suggested I do this. And I thought it was a great idea for a story, but also wasn't that original. And there are now two other journalists that are planning on trying to live on Bitcoin for a week. So I'm curious whether they'll be able to have like a different experience or if they'll right. go about doing their experiment differently. But I'm, I'm well, waiting to see those stories you know, come that was, out. That was kind of what I want. Maybe let's just start there. Uh, so I've, I read your bio on the on the Forbes site and it says that, you know, uh, you uh, have focused a lot on privacy in the past. So. Did you have? Were you aware of Bitcoin before, and from maybe from the privacy aspects of it, and then and then your editor came to you and sort of twisted your arm a little bit, or how did that work? What what led you to this point to say, you know what, I'm going to live my whole week just for a week. I'm going to live on this. What what brought you to that point? Yeah, my original interest in Bitcoin was because of the privacy aspects and people that were talking about it as this, you know, anonymous way to buy things online. Yeah. Um, and my experience over the week was uh, discovering that Bitcoin was less anonymous than I would have thought. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like it's been mischaracterized in the press a bit um, in, in that way. But anyway, so I was just interested in Bitcoin and we were talking so much about it internally just because it's been getting so much media attention. And uh, my editor, you know, we have this chat room that we use and he said, you know, I want somebody to live on Bitcoin for a week. Mm-hmm. And I just raised my hand right away. Well, that was very bold. Uh, I mean, it's 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 as as risky or maybe even scary as saying, "I'm going to try to live on gold for a week and try to pay up with everything in gold." Um, yeah, the first thing I did was to check and see where I could use my Bitcoin, and I came across this uh, resort in Naples, uh, Italy, that takes Bitcoin. Oh, well, there you Bitcoin. go. So I was like, "Oh, I'll just go there." Yeah. And spend- there, except there is no way for me to buy uh, plane tickets with Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, there is that problem, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> oh. Well, and that uh, that dinging right there is uh, my co-host Drew, who's just joined us. Hi, Drew. Hello. Hello. So we have uh, Kashmir here on the line. We were just chatting how uh, she was uh, sort of prodded by the editor. He he uh, he or she, I didn't catch. I was asking if anybody wanted to live on Bitcoin for a week and. She raised her hand, and uh, I I wanted to start right since we just started with that. You you came up with a set of rules that I think are stricter than a lot of other people who might do this. 
uh, would follow Cashmere. For example, I think the one that sticks out is essentially you said no proxy services. I'm not going to use a Bitcoin bill pay service to pay my landlord. If she's not going to take Bitcoin directly, then I have to do something else. What what was the uh, sort of reason for following that strict rule set there? I think part of it is just that I wanted to patronize merchants directly that were offering their goods and services for Bitcoin. Um, part of it was just the the journalistic, like interacting with a community um, that's developing around Bitcoin as opposed to just using an intermediary. And I could have had a very easy week. You know, I probably could have put all of my Bitcoin on a Visa or American Express gift card and then just patronized all of my usual places. Yeah, but that would yeah. have made for a far less interesting story. Well, how far would you have taken it? Uh, uh, let's <sighs> say maybe you got in some sort of legal trouble or something and you, and, you know, you got to a situation where like, well, no, we're sorry. You need to pay us U.S. dollars or you're going to sit in jail. <laughs> would, would I was... You have- I- I was really wondering because, um, I mean, I'm a biker. I loved biking in D.C. and New York, but I hadn't yet tried biking here. So, you know, one of the one of the things I had to do this week was rent a bike because I couldn't use my Bitcoin right. on the bus or for you, taking the BART. And so I was biking San Francisco streets for the first time, and I just didn't know how it would be. And I was thinking, well, what if I get hit by a car? What if I have to go to the hospital? Right, right. You know, what am I going to do when they, I can give them my insurance card, but if they want to get paid, am I going to say to you, take Bitcoin? How far <laughs> do I want to take this? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I mean, would, would you draw the line there? Uh, you know, I, I think, I, I really do. I love immersion journalism, and I don't think that these experiments are that interesting if you cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have tried at least to pay in Bitcoin and, um, you know, there are certain things I can deal with after the week is out, but I think I would have done my best to have tried yeah, to use it yeah. and just see how those conversations go. Well, you touched on the immersion thing and that was another thing about your journey that uh, was surprising to me was the embrace you got from the Bitcoin community. And it wasn't just tips and, you know, the community online commenting and the Reddit community that was following it, but you you went actually met uh, a lot of folks who are getting nitty gritty with uh, Bitcoin. You went to the Coinbase uh, headquarters. You met the uh, the uh, um, I guess curator of the Internet Archive, where they're obviously very active around Bitcoins. What was that like? Actually getting to meet these companies, and what were your impressions of, say, the Coinbase folks and things like that? It's interesting. A lot of the people that are involved in Bitcoin right now are very principled, and so they're fascinating to talk to. I mean, Bitcoin is as much. Um, an ideology as a as a money or currency right now. So you know when I went to Coinbase and um, was talking to one of the founders, he was he's a former trader for Goldman, um, and he was just talking about how part of his interest in Bitcoin arose from watching the crazy currency fluctuations that are happening in Europe, and every day looking to the Fed and um, you know the Fed getting to decide how much the dollar is worth and just feeling kind of frustrated with the way that currency and money currently operates. Um, so it was fascinating to get the, those stories. And the Bitcoin community is just full of a lot of characters, a lot of really mm-hmm. thoughtful people. It was kind of a, really a jackpot for a journalist who's looking for, um, you know, colorful characters. So right, I was, right. uh, it was a really, it was, it's been a really fun story to work on. Now, uh, have you seen the negative side of that. I've, you know, we have a show about Bitcoin and um, there's people in our audience who have written in and said, why are you doing this show about a drug currency? How, did you get any of that kind of response? Um, you know, I didn't get that response and I, I didn't focus on that in my story because mm. I feel like Silk Road is so well covered already um, that it wasn't, it wasn't as interesting to me. Um, I, I really wanted to find the legitimate uses of Bitcoin uh, 
and see like if it will be if it can thrive as a, a currency um, outside of you know these kind of well-known uses for um, buying illegal goods or buying drugs online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's yeah. kind of what I was trying to discover this week as opposed to just covering ground that had already been covered. Well, and really a very sort of um, a new angle to what you were doing was a lot of people refer to Bitcoin as the local currency for the internet. And you were trying to use Bitcoin in in very much real world scenarios, meet space, going to the uh, you know uh, going to the store to get uh, some uh, coffee or what or whatever groceries or whatever you were trying to get. You know that's not usually when I think of living on a bit on Bitcoin for a week. If you say, okay, Chris, live on Bitcoin for a week, but you can live off of the internet, and you can just order stuff. Right. I think that might be a little bit easier of a proposition. But when you say go do it in real life, real world, I, that I don't know if I could do that. And I wonder <laughs> now that you've done it. We're- where do you guys live? Uh, in Washington, in the Seattle area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you were in San Francisco, right? I'm, yeah, in San Francisco, where I thought it would be pretty easy. But even here, there are only, um, you know, when I started this experiment, three places that I could go to spend my Bitcoin in the real world. Yeah. The sushi restaurant, uh, the cupcake place, and then during the course of this week, the artisanal grocery store. There was not even a coffee shop where I could spend my Bitcoin. And that that kind of shocked me, actually, for for Tech Forward San Francisco. Well, what I thought was kind of interesting is I think uh, both the cupcake shop and the artisanal grocery store, didn't they both say they're going to hold on to the Bitcoins? They're not even necessarily cashing them in right now because they're also speculating a little bit? Yeah, I think, well, a lot of the people that are supporting it right now are doing it for ideological reasons. Right. They want Bitcoin to you know, thrive or survive as a currency. Um, so part of that is it, it undermines that if you just immediately switch over to the U.S. dollar. Mm. Though, I, though I think they will have to when it comes to taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably will have to convert for, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like some of the support for Bitcoin right now is like uh, part of it is diluting that that kind of, all, okay, all this gets used for is buying drugs online. Mm-hmm. And kind of trying to you know create other uses of it so um, that it doesn't become, if you have Bitcoin, that means that you're the kind of person who is looking to um, just buy drugs online. Maybe, right. in fact, you're the kind of person who wants to have private purchases. Um, and that can be online or offline. You know, whenever you go to a store now and you swipe your credit card, all of these, these stores um, and companies want to learn as much about you for data mining purposes and advertising purposes. So, you know, they're stripping information from your credit card and using that to link your offline and online purchases. So I can actually see why some people would want to use Bitcoin if they just want a little bit more privacy in their shopping. Mm-hmm. And and also uh, w- w- a perfect example is your landlord situation. So people who haven't read the the piece yet, you had a you had a situation where you have a landlord who lives out of the country, and uh, you needed to send her payment. It seems to me that there's really Bitcoin is there's really nothing that beats Bitcoin for sending somebody money that lives on the other side of the world. Uh, would you agree that that seems like a, just a huge use case in its own? Yeah, or or people who are traveling around the world. So wouldn't it be so nice if the next time you took a trip abroad, you could just use Bitcoin instead of having to like convert to the local currency? Right. Um, that would be nice. But yeah, being able to send payment without the transaction fees associated with it, mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of the big appeals of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, very fascinating stuff. And I wonder, now that you've done it for a week, uh, have you considered, A, continuing to follow the Bitcoin beat, as it were, and B, maybe in a year revisiting the week-long experiment and seeing how much more possible it is? I am definitely interested in trying this again in a year. And I just find myself, uh, my ears are just perking up around Bitcoin things. Um, One of my colleagues at Forbes, Andy Greenberg, has been reporting 
really closely on 3D, um, the 3D gun printing. And I noticed today that Defense Distributed says that 99% of its assets are in Bitcoin. It's gotten tons of Bitcoin donations. Mm. And so that makes sense to me. This is something where maybe somebody doesn't want to um, kind of have their identity associated with giving money to this pretty controversial nonprofit. And so they're choosing um, Bitcoin instead. Uh, I'm definitely just paying more attention to the way that Bitcoin is starting to fit into our economy. Very awesome. Well, Drew, was there any, was there any other questions we had, you and I could come up with that we wanted to touch on before we let Kashmir go? I know. I think you asked all the questions that I would. All right. Very good. Well, uh, Kashmir, is there anything else you want to touch on before we let you go? I don't think so. If anyone has any good Bitcoin stories or if you guys come across anything, send it my way. Absolutely. I'm really interested in this. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm Cash Hill with two H's on Twitter. And that's K, right? K-A? Yeah. 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 Everyone was like laughing this week that my that my name is Cash. Um, but That I, is yeah. kind of funny. And well, we were kind of joking that Cashmere Hill kind of sounds like a Bitcoin exchange a little bit. <laughs> so we kind of worked from that angle too. I kind of laughed about that. Well, it was great reading your adventure and uh, I hope we get to read a lot more in the future. Thanks for joining us. Great. My pleasure. All right. And I'll have uh, I'll have Kashmir's articles linked up on uh, our show notes. She just posted after uh, the interview I had with her, the 21 things I learned about Bitcoin kind of summarizing it. And that page also links to all seven days. Drew, uh, are you going to take the uh, Bitcoin challenge and live off Bitcoin for a week? Uh, no, because I I have to buy everything on Amazon. Not going to happen yet. until <laughs> well, Amazon starts taking that uh, you know the bitcoins. Then uh, then I'll make the move. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you can buy stuff on Amazon with bitcoins and how more and more places are talking bitcoins are taking bitcoins because we're going to talk about spending bitcoins because as we touched on in the interview there with Kashmir. Uh, it's one of the things that leads to a healthy economy and one that I was really excited about this week. The Humble Bundle now announced you can make purchases with Bitcoin. Da, 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 da. And I forgot to cover this in last year. How come you let me forget to, to, to mention this? Yeah, what, what were you thinking, man? You I could know. have really uh, pushed uh, Plan B on over there. I know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dope. So uh, if you go over to the Humble Bundle site, when, you, uh, doing, when you're doing your purchase now, they just have a buy with Bitcoin and uh, it just you, they're using Coinbase as the payment processor. So good little PR boost uh, for Coinbase. Also, right around when they announced their $5 million funding. And uh, they said the Humble Bundle has always been about strong links uh, with game developers. Fundamentally, Bitcoin is a great match as it allows direct payment for these games from anywhere in the world with far lower fees. So that's exciting. So you can now get your video games, get your Humble Bundles using Bitcoin. But the story that broke, uh, I think it was either right as our show was going on air or right after our show went on air, and you and I didn't get a chance to play with it until later in the week, was Gift. Yeah, in fact, it was, I think, just after our show. Gift, which is an, an, an app for iOS and the Android. However, this new functionality only works on Android. Allows you now to purchase tons and tons of different gift cards with Bitcoin. And Drew, you were kind of uh, ho-hum on this at first, right? Yeah, until I started thinking about, uh, you know, just like the thing that we saw with, with Mount Gox with them, you know, w without being able to, to withdraw your money, potentially. This is an interesting way that you could cash out, you know, yeah, without having to go through that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because uh, you're, you're not really converting it to cash. You're converting it to a, another essentially virtual currency. Right. Yeah. Uh, the mobile gift card company Gift has partnered with BitPay to start accepting Bitcoins within the app. This is a big partnership for both, as BitPay, C BitPay CEO Tony Galapini, uh, Galap. Sorry, Tony. Tony G. I'll just call you Tony G. Yeah. yeah. Says that uh, in the company, the current the company is currently processing five million per month in Bitcoin transactions for its merchants. Gift allows you to purchase gift cards for more than fifty 
5,000 retail locations in the U.S., including Brookstone, Lowe's, The Gap, uh, GameStop, American Eagle, Nike, Marriott, Burger King. What's up? Go get yourself a burger with Bitcoin, Fandango. So technically, you can now use Bitcoin to pay for a Whopper. And uh, it's actually, it's pretty simple. And uh, they just increased the Amazon gift card to $2,000. So you can go into Gift, and we have the Gift app linked in the show notes. And it's a free app. And I actually thought it'd be like the spammy piece of crap junk that would be like, hey, there's a new deal we found for you, but it's really not. It's not that bad. In fact, it even lets you scan in your existing gift cards, and then it'll digitally track them. And for some of them, it'll if they support it, go retrieve their balance so you have all that information on there, which is kind of cool. So like, yeah. does that for Target, Best Buy, and Amazon cards. So you can just use this to store your existing cards, or from within the app, you can buy a new card. You can, and it, it's virtual, and, and then you go there, and they can just scan the barcode on the phone, or it can deliver it to you. And the payment option is is Bitcoin, and you know, so you can get, and it takes, it just takes, you know, moments, you know, thirty seconds to do this. So you could be in the line at Burger King, getting yourself a Whopper, and you could buy that Whopper with Bitcoin while you're in line. And by the time yeah. you get up to the register, the whole process is completely done. Or, you know, if you're going to do some purchases on Amazon and you wanted to use Bitcoins to do it, you could just go charge up an Amazon gift card using the app and then go spend the money on, on Amazon. Hey, you're speaking my language. This, yeah. this is, I think, you know, at first I was like, ah, whatever, this is a proxy. It's not that great. But it actually get, does get around a couple of potential legal loopholes or yep, gets, yep. it uses a couple of legal loopholes potentially. Uh, and it is very convenient and it, the app is free as long as you have an Android device. They're also going to be supposedly adding a web way to pay. So if you have the iOS version, you can pay with Bitcoins through the web and then load huh. up the app. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, we're talking 50,000 different places you can get gift cards for. And there's, it's like my Lowe's, the hardware store. Man, you can, just, you can buy a gift card using Bitcoin. So I could go get myself a shovel using Bitcoin. And I think this is a really big deal. So instead of people having to panic sell, they can just buy big, you know, these kind, you know, go buy this stuff, use use yeah, it for this yeah. kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I think that's big news. I I feel like the chat room doesn't even give a crap about it, but huh. I'm looking at the chat room. Like, it, it, it's a step in the right direction, definitely. That's that, that's that's a really cool thing. I feel you don't like have it, to deal with the bank. You don't have to report anything, you know, potentially on your taxes. Right, and it's super easy, which is really nice. Now, should you be using bitcoins to buy hamburgers? I don't know. I mean. The argument is, is that we need these transactions to stabilize the Bitcoin economy. Now, maybe you don't want to spend your money on a burger. Maybe you want to go a little nice. Oh, maybe yourself, a Ferrari or get, a... Get yourself something fancy. Yeah, nice man. Boat. Dude, a Ferrari? Yeah, man. Gets, why not, right? That's why, friends, you need to go check out Bit Premier. Have you heard of Bit Premier, everyone? It's the Bitcoin luxury marketplace where they have a Mercedes-Benz for sale. They have a 2011 turboprop IFR Beast airplane for sale for 5,559 bitcoins. <laughs> Come on, early adopters. <laughs> you can get a yacht for 44,000 bitcoins. Gosh, you know what's crazy is there are some early adopters that probably have this kind of Bitcoin just sitting around. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, when you see people selling like a Porsche in their house and all that. Oh, you heard that, about that's, this, a, that's really uh, crazy. You heard about this Trump uh, condo, right? That's for sale using Bitcoins. Uh, wow, 17,000 Bitcoins for this condo. Oof. Gosh, it really is, it looks beautiful though. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, if you mind this, could I mean, the, the look at the, some of those. Well, I, I thought you were supposed to burn all your bitcoins. You know, it's just right. Like yeah, according to Wired. Yeah, if, if you want to be moral, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, uh, BitPremier's mission is to provide, according to their website, astute buyers in the Bitcoin community with access to unique, high-end luxury items and opportunities. We believe in a customer-centric, secure, and friendly marketplace. They say. Uh, they give individual attention to every item listed on their site. And here's the part that I thought was interesting. BitPremier is backed by the NYC-based Bitcoin Opportunity Fund. Other investments of the fund include CoinLab, BitPay, BitSpend, OpenCoin, and Ripple, CoinSetter, TradeHill, and Coinapult. Good stuff, man. There you go. Some high-class stuff. Uh, so... And we'll have some we'll have some additional links in the show notes uh, for uh, sites like um, Bitspend, where you can spend bitcoins for pretty much anything. They just kind of are a go between. And uh, Bill Pay, which has just announced zero percent fees, where you can pay. It's a Bill Pay service, and you charge it with bitcoins, and then they write actual checks to your utilities. So you can see how miners maybe this would be. I can see how that Bill Pay service to pay your electric bill. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, that's why not. The circle right? of uh, circle of Bitcoin. Right. Life. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll, we have links. To, so there's some other ways. There's lots of new ways. Uh, there's also some subreddits now out there for uh, accepts Bitcoin or accepts BTC. I think is the subreddit where people are always listing new sites coming up that are accepting Bitcoin. And I think at the conference this week we'll probably hear a bunch more. So we'll probably have those next week. But I want to talk about a potential opportunity that I think could be huge for Bitcoin, but I think it's one of these subjects that I kind of like got that vibe from Kashmir during our chat with her. Like she felt like Silk Road and the drug market kind of brings a bad image to Bitcoin. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. In the mainstream, that's pretty uh, common. But let's face some realities here. Uh, I think there is a huge opportunity in the legalized cannabis market that's cropping up. You've got Washington State and Colorado now where it is just going straight up recreational legal then there's like 17 states in the united states now that have it legal for medical to different degrees but the crazy thing is is i i don't believe any of these places without going through like some shell companies are able to use any mainstream banks uh this is a quote from a a pot shop operator uh that i think was uh, uh his name is smith and Aaron Smith is the executive director of the Washington-based National Cannabis Industry Association. He says, uh, we're looking for a solution where we can bank legitimately, like any other industry. Wherever you stand on the marijuana issue, it serves everybody's interest for us to have access to banking. Now, bank officials just say they're complying with federal law. Like, for example, here's a Wells Fargo statesman that says, spokesperson who says, our policy of not banking with marijuana dispensaries is based on applicable federal laws and our own assessments of our responsibilities. This is uh, Seitz, uh, the spokesperson for Wells Fargo. Now, of course, American Express, the U.S. the U.S. largest card issuer by customer purchases, has made a decision not to allow cor- card acceptance for medical marijuana. Um, and this just go- and it goes on and on. All the banks sort of have the same policies. And uh, so primarily these pot shops that are cropping up all over, uh, it's going to be a huge industry in Colorado and Washington, are dealing in cash, or they have these shell companies that don't sound like marijuana companies, that they then set up a business with the bank, or an account with the bank, and they do the money through that, which is probably completely illegal. Right, yeah. And, uh, well, now, BitPay actually also 
um, refuses to do business with medical marijuana shops. BitPay offers uh, same-day same day conversions to merchants, as a lot of us know. Uh, but Tony G has explained in an interview that uh, while several medical marijuana dispensaries have applied, medical marijuana is not allowed in our terms of service, Tony says. Of course, to be consistent, other merchant types allowed by BitPay, uh, they wouldn't allow an MDMA seller or any controlled substance seller like a weapons or gambling person or uh, illegal sports betting. They have, however, allowed uh, file sharing, storage backup services, and VPN services because they believe in the freedom of information. So, well, BitPay has kind of come along and said, okay, well, we're not going to offer the service either, but you don't really need BitPay to accept Bitcoins. You really just kind of need a terminal with a QR code on it. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of these types of gray market areas where Bitcoin could be huge for people. And there's a lot of people in, and I'm not, I don't think it could take off everywhere, but in California, in the Seattle area, I bet you start seeing some pot shops that accept Bitcoin payments. Well, I mean, especially since I, mean, I would think that the federal government, um, consistent with the rest of, of how they handle things, would be very, very, very slow to, uh, to reverse any of these laws that actually that, that may exist that prevent or at least discourage, you know, like American Express and, and all these other guys and BitPay from actually, you know, processing these transactions. So I think there's there's plenty of, there's got to be plenty of time for Bitcoin to to uh, percolate within this uh, kind of industry. Well, and like not Brian says, he says, are the gray markets really good though to kind of perpetuate the whole Bitcoin equals drug th- drugs thing? And I think this is something that we got to kind of struggle with because the reality is is there is an endless demand for drugs and there's an endless supply for drugs. And so there is always going to be sort of this perpetual requirement for Bitcoin. I think that's why when Silk Road was getting DDoSed, we saw the price drop dramatically. And then when Silk Road came back online, the price has stabilized. Yeah, I think this is a very uncomfortable aspect of Bitcoin, just like the fact that they can stick WikiLeaks in the blockchain. I mean, that's very uncomfortable. But the reality is there's certain elements to Bitcoin that exist that even though we're not comfortable with them and they give a bad image, we have to appropriately deal with them and mitigate the issue. And I, I think if, if, if it's completely legal for somebody to sell cannabis in Washington and it's completely legal for somebody to buy cannabis in Washington, who cares if they're using Bitcoin? That's great, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there, there is no problem with it at all. I don't have any issue with it. It's great. It's great for Bitcoin. And, you know, the six confirmations things, uh, I think you could, there's arguments out there that after even really one confirmation, the chance of a double spend is 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 incredible. And uh, I believe that's even, um, I think BitPay actually just is, is, is feels the risk is so low, they'll operate on zero confirmations. BitPay will, depending, I think. So, it, you know, I, I think it could happen because all it's going to take is for somebody to have a smartphone. Okay, check everybody, in, at least in the tech-centric crowds. Um, and for them to have a, a tablet, and I, I just don't know why it wouldn't happen. I mean, especially when you consider probably a lot of these guys are the big vendors on Silk Road, and they're already doing Bitcoin. <laughs> Seriously, right? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. That's, yeah, that's definitely true. They're probably making think. a ton of money in Bitcoin already, at, at least some of them. And competition, yeah, yeah. you know, competition kind of spreads. Uh, and and even if even if it doesn't happen in the physical cannabis shops it is happening online it is happening on, on silk road and i think probably everybody that listens to the show knows that silk road is the quote-unquote underground website that lets you pretty much buy anything except for weapons uh, drugs obviously are some of those things it's it's more like an off the books amazon they right. even sell groceries um uh electronics um books 
Um, I, I, I think fake IDs, uh, I think fake money. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course drugs, lots of drugs, lots of drugs, plenty of them. And, uh, you know, so, uh, the, the Silk Road market has sort of been one of the first real drivers of Bitcoin demand and they've introduced some interesting systems. They have a, it's, 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 if, as far as a marketplace goes, it's, it's based on vendor trust. Vendors have a rating system. Every transaction, you close it by providing a rating and you have to rate it to close the transaction. And uh, everything, all communication is done using encryption, GPG encryption. And it's basically people just list stuff, sort of like, it's like Craigslist only, like Craigslist meets Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these, they also do something else kind of interesting, I think. And I don't remember, I meant to look up the specifics. I don't really know the specifics, but I think they do something with a weighted price. I can't remember if it's five days or a three-day average or something like this, but they do the weighted Bitcoin so they take the the medium price over a period of days and they say, okay, that's the price we're going to use on the marketplace. And then when you buy, there's an escrow like place that the that the coins go into. So the sale the sale you the the, the money is immediately re, uh, deducted from your account and put into a holding account. That once the vendor provides your shipment, you can then go close and provide you finalize it and provide your review. Yep. And then the money's transferred. Uh, and uh, this has been this has been around for years. It's been through different different places. It's on Tor. You know, it's not it's not even available on the public web, but you can find it. And we have a link to a to a subreddit that can provide you with more information. Uh, and this is this is sort of like this underbelly of Bitcoin, though, that always is going to be driving demand, right? It's always going to be there. And I mean, the the advantages that Bitcoin provides to people that are engaging in this kind of commerce. I mean. That there, that demand will always be there because of that the fundamental nature of Bitcoin, the the mostly anonymous nature of it. So I think you know something. The the problem with something like Silk Road is it's extremely risky. Definitely, and, hugely risky. Yeah. yeah, people need to be aware uh, that uh, you know if they're if they're using something like Silk Road, they they need to be taking extreme precautions. Um, very very much. Do you want to talk about the about uh, general security about that? Actually? Yeah, yeah. You have any ideas that come to mind? Uh, what. Well, 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 I wouldn't run it on an actual local machine. I mean, you can go to, to check it out. I mean, yeah, or at least not a Windows box. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? If you could do it in a virtual machine, you know, there's Tor, there's Tor appliances. Yeah, um, there's a, there's a Tor to web service too that you can that you can link to. Yeah, I don't know if I like do that. Proxy. I don't. Know I would I'd... definitely not do that. Do the proxy on your local machine. Um, like in in Linux and Windows, there's a, there's a GUI front end that will enable Tor. It's yeah, called there's a, a Tor Vidalia. Bu- yeah, yeah, the Tor. It's like a bundle that they make. Yes, I mean, if you want to be secure, I would recommend running in a VM and then a live, uh, like a live Linux system. You know, uh, then install Tor from there. Point your browser to Tor as a proxy, and then go navigate through there. And always use GPG for uh, communication between each other. Yeah, yeah, and so that means you're going to have to learn if you don't know how to get GPG set up. You're going to have to get yourself a key, and you're going to have to learn how to do that because uh, um, y- y- there's a there's there's aspects of Silk Road that I think are publicly viewable, so it's it behooves you, I believe, to encrypt. I'm not positive on that, but yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, when you when you can or when you, uh, when you uh, make a transaction, you, you make your payment, yeah. you have to send them your address and yeah. your name. So yeah. you don't want that going in, in right. mo- you know, 
You want to encrypt it with their public key. Right. So, so in that area right there at the checkout screen, you 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 paste in your encrypted version to sign to to their key and in their listing for their product if it's like, you know, and it's it's great. And man, I mean they're really there's stuff on there. It's worth checking out because there's stuff on there even that is just like eclectic that's very hard to find, like cool, rad electronics and stuff like that. But even just being associated with the Silk Road's risky. So I think even then it's still good to use encryption in all of these listings. They'll pay they'll paste like their public key that you can sign to. Right. And then, then you know, uh, you know that only they can read it and you have a little bit of peace of mind there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'd say, so yeah, use the Tor browser bundles because that that's then you update both the Tor connection software and the web browser and they work well together. And there's a little plugin that it comes included in the web browser. It's a little Firefox plugin that gives you the, the state of Tor. Um and there's there's uh, there's there's ways to sort based on reviews and things like that when you're in there. Just be careful who you pick from because there can be uh, vendors who can be aggressive and try to push you to finalize before you get your product, whatever it is. And it's usually not considered great, but because of the state of Silk Road recently, you know, up and down, they've kind of been a little more aggressive in that area. So you got to watch for that. Um, yeah, just be careful. Yeah, be careful and don't email us asking. For help on Silk Road. <laughs> What's the URL, man? Seriously, don't don't you, we've put we've put some links in the show notes. That's enough for that's what, as far <laughs> as we're going to get involved with it, uh, because I think at this phase, Silk Road plays a bigger role than all of the proponents of Bitcoin want to admit, uh, myself included. But I think as we go forward, and like we just talked about at the top of the show with this VC money that's coming in, we've been talking about these for actually the last few weeks, for the last few episodes, we've been covering these VC funds and these guys that are saying we're bringing money in. Those are going to be the dominant story about Bitcoin and and where the Bitcoin economy is going to be dominant. And this is a transition period. We're already moving away from being this economy, but it's still real. It still exists. And, you know, we didn't want to ignore it. So uh, and, you know, uh, I, I'd say I'd say, you know, one other thing to consider is remember, they're going to mail the product to you. So the you'll want to look for the vendors stealth. People often comment on how stealth the vendor was. And um, start with smaller quantities, whatever you get, the smaller it is, probably the less detectable it is. Uh, and any other, let's see, any other last bits of advice we might give to these noobs before they ruin themselves and end in jail? Uh, use your real name and address. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. You know, don't do it. That's my main my, my main advice because it's, you know, bad. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's yeah. it. And, and then as far as the safety goes, Remember, you're risking by having something mailed to you like that. That's probably a federal crime of some kind. I would think that it's a federal crime to actually send them. I don't know about uh, you know receiving because I mean, there's no real record of of you making a request. You know that, that anybody can obtain. So oh right, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and remember, you'd be like, yeah. I don't know what the, I, if this isn't my weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're only weed. yeah right. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely you got to you got to think of that. And also, you know, you do have to. I would say just to to give a devil to play devil's advocate weigh that against i don't know what you're getting but i know for some people they 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 go into risky situations to get what they need to get and there can be risk just buying something off the street i mean there's i mean not this so there's there's no there's no like no risk answer here so i'm not trying to paint it all as just a scary thing versus your other alternatives but i just want to point out that you you really want to be careful when you do this kind of thing and check it out, though, because even, you know, why I checked it out is just intellectually curious. And I was curious what else they had on there beyond, you know, what everybody talks about, the drugs. Because they got, they, got, they got erotica on there. They got books on there. They got all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, go check it out if you'd like. We'll have some links in the show notes to help you out. But don't ask us about it. Now we've covered it. 
Yeah, it's out of the way. We might cover it again in the future. I don't know. It's not like we're really afraid to cover it. It's just we don't really want to draw too much attention to it, I suppose. Right, right. So as we all, we all instead of blowing our uh, Bitcoins on cannabis, we need to save it up so we can go spend it on a luxury condo from Bit Premier. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Or some Amazon. I, you know, I need some ravioli or some socks. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Go get the gift app, right? And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, Drew. I like that. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> wait, what? What, ketchup? What's the matter? Uh, I'd say, I, you know, I would say, I would say that's, unless Drew, you think there's anything else we need to cover on that? Uh, no, we can cover it in the future, but yeah. it's a, it's an interesting thing to look at and it's cool to see people voluntarily engaging in transactions with each other and nobody being harmed because there is no victim. But uh, you know, yeah, it is, opinion aside. I guess from that standpoint, it is kind of amazing how sane that marketplace is, Yeah, how just self-regulated it is. I know it emerged on its own without, I mean, they can't have any kind of regulation like that. And they don't depend on the regulation that other black markets use that are, exist in the more physical realm, which is, you know, settling violence. things directly with violence. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like somebody mentioned in the chat room, it, it it is, I mean, you do have the threat of receiving something in the mail and them catching something and it has your address on it and your name. I mean, that is a threat, but I mean, you're not dealing with, you know, really sketchy people because there's a plenty of those guys are out, out there. <laughs> it's, I, it, you know, it's a it's a cool thing to see how this this they got a rating system to yeah. see how all that evolves. I mean, the trust the trust model, I mean, evolved in and of itself. You know, without it, any any top down thing. It shows how there's a range where Bitcoin enables uh, anyone around the world to buy the humble indie bundle video games, and it also enables cyberpunks to create a marketplace online that no one has control on a shady black area of the internet called Tor. And so far, nobody's really been able to stop and people can knock them offline and knock them down, but they're able to just keep going. And the range that that's why I think Bitcoin is such a game changer because the range it has right there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Is amazing. Like there's not any I mean, other than cash, but it doesn't work online like this because even cash doesn't allow for this, 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 because you're, 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 you're giving your identity to these guys, you know, you're, it, you're, they see you, you know, they have your number. Like it, if you were to do this physically in real life, like, and, but like if, if all this was done with cash in order to go to the Silk Road, you probably have to go to like some sort of physical location right. and, and eventually they'd find that location and they'd bust it or they'd, they'd be able to trace people. But because Bitcoin can exist solely online, we're able to then use this marketplace that exists in solely this completely anonymized ver uh, side network. It's, it's completely impressive if you think about it. And that's why it's worth covering and talking about. And that's why it's worth checking out. Yep. Right? Agreed. So there you go. All right, Drew. Wow. So I feel like there's so much more stuff we could cover this week. Uh, don't forget, if you feel like we missed something, one way to su suggest something to the show is go to our subreddit, planbshow.reddit.com. We need more people submitting stuff. So far, I'm calling that subreddit a flop. And I was wondering if we want to introduce a, bit to a Bitcoin tip if people start helping people out but let's see some activity over there so go to plandyshow.reddit.com don't forget to help us spread the word about this show maybe submit it to your favorite subreddit send a link to friends we're trying to get the publicity out and let people know about the show links to our social profiles in the show notes also watch us live Tuesdays 2pm Pacific 5pm Eastern 9pm GMT over at jblive.tv and uh, thanks to our chat room for showing up and chat with us live thanks to Kashmir for joining us this week don't forget to go check out her articles. Drew, man, thanks for the great show. Oh, yeah, man. Good fun. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week's episode of Plan B. We'll see you right back here next week.